Thank goodness Jesus came. Yes, He came and died on the cross for our sins and then rose again that we may have eternal life. And yes, thanks to Jesus and the revelation to the apostles, we can also eat bacon now. Maybe this would be a good opportunity to explain the difference between practice and dogma. For the first thousand years of the church, priests could marry, or more accurately, married men could become priests. Even today in the West, in the Roman Rite, which we are a part of, if a man becomes a permanent deacon and then his wife passes away, he cannot remarry. In some of the Eastern Rites, married men can still become priests. And tomorrow, I guess the Pope could declare that married men could again uh, become priests and you know, the world wouldn't fall apart. So the celibacy of priests is a practice, not a dogma of the church. Now that being said, I think there's a lot of good reasons for priests to be celibate. Uh, one, it provides the priest the freedom to service people in a deeper and more, more profound way. And more connected to today's reading is the fact that up until Vatican II, Catholics year-round had to abstain from meat on every Friday, not just Fridays during Lent. And even after Vatican II, Fridays are still a day of penance. However, now you can substitute something, uh, some other penance uh, other than not eating meat on Fridays outside of Lent. And so uh, the penance of not eating meat on Fridays year-round is still on the books. It's just outside of Lent you can find something, you can substitute something else uh, to um, do is, other than not eating meat. I suppose like giving up TV for the day or something like that. So these types of practices can change over time. Things like uh, priest marrying or eating meat on Fridays. However, dogma, things like Jesus being fully God and fully human, uh, that God is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that Jesus died and rose from the dead on the third day, that Mary was immaculately conceived. These and others are dogmas of the Catholic faith, and we are required to believe them, and they will not change over time. So even though we can now eat pork, or more importantly, at least in my opinion, bacon, God's law or practice was different in the Old Testament times. The important thing is that we are obedient to the laws of God given to us in the times we live. So in the Old Testament times, there would have been the Mosaic law, and in the New Testament times, is the law of the Catholic Church, or the laws of the Catholic Church. So in the Old Testament times of the Mosaic Law that God had given to the Jews through Moses, God's people were not allowed to eat pork. So in our first reading from 2 Maccabees, we join the story where the Greeks had conquered Israel. The Greeks figured, out, or figured if they could get Judas Maccabees and his brothers, who were leaders in, amongst their people, if they could get them to break the Mosaic Law, worship the Greek gods, and embrace the Greek way of life, they could get others to follow their lead. However, Judas Maccabees and his brothers refused. Today's reading is about the torture and execution of several of the seven brothers and their mother because they would not conform to the Greek way of life. One of the brothers says, What do you expect to achieve by questioning us? 
We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. What about us? Would we rather die than sin? We should have that view, that eternal view. The second son, as he is being tortured, says that the king of the world, God, will raise him up again to live forever. The third son even sticks out his tongue and held out his hands for the Greek executioner to cut off. He says that if God willing, he will receive them again in the resurrection. We too, as Catholics, believe in the resurrection of the body. When we die, our souls will go to heaven, hell, or purgatory. However, we are not pure spirit like the angels. We are not pure matter like a rock. No, we human beings are this combination, this unity of body and spirit. To be human is to be both body and spirit, body and soul. At the end of the creed, we talk about the resurrection of the body. As Catholics, we believe that at the end of time, the second coming of Christ, our bodies will be reunited to our souls. We don't know exactly, but our resurrected bodies will be a little different than our bodies now. There will be no disease, no dissension within the body. And even when we look at Jesus in his resurrected body, he walked through walls, uh, he could disappear and reappear, you know, in a totally different place. Um, and yet, and through all of this, he could even say to Thomas, stick your fingers into my wounds. And so it's a physical body, but in some ways a different type of physical body. And so someday we too will have a body like Jesus' resurrected body. Back to our first reading. The fourth brother, he says he has hope in the resurrection and life after death. Now this is interesting. It means that Judas Maccabees and his brothers believed in life after death. Now this was not true for all Jews. We see this several hundred years later with Judas, with Jesus and the Sadducees. The Sadducees were a sect of Jews that did not believe in life after death. Obviously, Jesus does believe in life after death, and the Sadducees knew this. So, in our Gospel reading today, the Sadducees tried to trip Jesus up and show, at least, you know, from their point of view, how ridiculous the belief in life after death is by posing an extreme case to Jesus. So the Sadducees proposed the case of a woman who is married to a man. However, the man dies childless. Now in Jewish culture, possessions, especially land, was passed down to the family, through the tribes. So in the Jewish culture, it was very important that there be at least one child to pass the ancestral land and possessions to. This is what the Sadducees are explaining to Jesus. Why, I don't know. Jesus would have known the Jewish law even better than they did. But yes, the Sadducees explained to Jesus that Moses taught that if someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. So in this case, this happened six more times. The woman marries all seven brothers without one child being conceived. The question the Sadducees have for Jesus is whose wife will she be in the resurrection, in the life after death? 
Jesus gives a very interesting answer to the Sadducees' case study. Jesus says that in this coming age uh, and to the resurrection of the dead, people will not marry nor be given in marriage. In heaven and in the age after the second coming of Christ at the end of time as we know it, there will be no more marriage. This is why in the marriage rite we ask that the couple promise to be true to each other until death do they part. This is why when one spouse dies, the other spouse is free to marry someone else. Or as I told a friend of mine who had discerned religious life since a very young age, um, who is now married with quite a few kids, and sometimes though still wonders if they discern their vocation correctly. I tell them, first of all, you are married with X number of kids. There's no going back now. You have to find your holiness, your relationship with Jesus within the context of your married life. And second of all, I just said, I just told them, just make sure your spouse dies first, right? Then you'll be free to enter the convent if that's really what God would call you to do. Christopher West puts it this way when talking about St. Pope John Paul II's theology of the body. Christopher West says, if you're traveling to Chicago, it's helpful to have signs that point you towards Chicago. But once you are in Chicago, you no longer need signs pointing you towards Chicago. So if marriage, if a husband and wife are the greatest icon, greatest image of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on this side of heaven, it makes sense that you need marriage to be just that, to be an image, an icon of the love of the Trinity, the love of God. But once you are in heaven, once you are taken in the beatific vision of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you no longer need marriage, you no longer need the sign, the image, the icon, because the, real, the perfect reality is right in front of you. In heaven, we will love everyone completely and perfectly because we will be loving them through our love of the Trinity, through the perfect love that God has for each one of us. Now, obviously, I've never been married, nor have I been to heaven. Uh, not, uh, that would be known on both accounts. So I don't know for sure, but sometimes couples do ask me, you know, you know, will I know my spouse in heaven? I'm, said, I'm sure you will. And I'm sure that in some sense there will be a, still a special connection between you and your spouse. But in heaven there will be no marriage. That all of our connections, our love, uh, will be complete and perfect. But that will be because we love them through the love of the Trinity. Again, God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Because of Christ's resurrection, our resurrection is a real possibility. As Catholic Christians, we must live out of the reality that the fulfillment of all our desires is not found in the short time we have here on earth, but in an eternity in heaven with God.